0: Good evening, everybody. Good evening. How you doing? It's tight in here, huh? It's pretty great. Awesome to see you. Uh, welcome to Christmas Eve. Eve, that joke just doesn't get old. Uh, my name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and part of our preaching team, and it's awesome to welcome you. Thank you, especially for those of you, this is your first time with us. Uh, we're really, really thankful that you would come, and thankful that uh, for the folks who invited you, and just really glad that you're here with us. So Um, We've had a a fun day so far and looking forward to more tomorrow as we celebrate the Christmas story. My question for you tonight is, how well do you know it? Some of you grew up kind of hearing the Christmas story, You, you know, since the time you were a little kid, you heard this every year. Some of you, I realize, are newer to this. How well do you know it? Do you think you could pass a test? Do you think you could get an A on the pop quiz? Well, let's find out. All right, we've got some questions. How well do you know the Christmas story? A little trivia here. Number one, what does the Bible say that the innkeeper said to Mary and Joseph? A, there is no room in the inn. B, I have a stable you can use. C, come back later and I should have some vacancies. D, both A and B. E, none of the above. Answer is? E none of the above. In fact, the Bible does not even mention an innkeeper. Did you know that? Only that there was more no room at the end. In fact, they were probably staying less like a hotel, more like a guest house kind of a place. All right, so you're 0 for 1. All right, number 2. A manger is a A stable for domestic animals, B wooden hay storage bin, C feeding trough, D barn. E, none of the above. Correct answer is C. A manger is a feeding trough. And even though in most of our nativity sets we make them out of wood, in all likelihood, this was probably made out of stone. That was more common in those days. All right, number three. Which animals does the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? A, cows, sheep, goats. B, cows, donkeys, goats. C, sheep and goats only, D, miscellaneous barnyard animals, or E, none of the above? The correct answer is E, none of the above. The Bible does not mention any animals. It also does not mention a stable or a barn. Number four, how you doing? Not great so far. Number four. According to the Bible, how did Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem? Was it A, camel, B, donkey, C, walked, D, Joseph walked and Mary rode a donkey, E, Uber, or F, who knows? The correct answer is F, who knows? The Bible, again, doesn't say It just says that they got there. It was a long trip. They didn't say how they got there. All right, number five, last one. How many wise men came to see Jesus? Was it A, three, B, seven, C, 12, or D, we don't know? Are you catching on yet? The answer is D, we don't know. Everybody thinks it's three because the the wise men came with three gifts. But in all likelihood, they were such expensive gifts that it's unlikely that only three people would travel such a far distance with that. But we don't frankly know how many. Again, the Bible doesn't specify. So let me tell you tonight, if you're like a person that was going, man, I was so nervous to come here. It feels like all these people know all this stuff and I just don't know anything. (laughs) These people don't know nothing either. All right. You're fine. You're fine. You're in a great place. Listen, there is a lot that the Bible doesn't say about that first Christmas, a lot of those details. But there's at least one thing the Bible is emphatic about, which is why the first Christmas happened. Let me show this to you. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It's the angel speaking to Joseph and says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their Sins. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to save his people from their sins. So listen, you can miss the Christmas trivia, that's fine, but don't miss this. This is the essence of Christianity, that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Now, when I think about the message of Jesus coming to save his people from their sins, I just instantly go to another verse that I think we could say represents the essence of Christianity. It's the verse we read just a moment ago, John 3.16. Have you heard of this? It's a very popular verse. It's a very famous verse. It's a very well-known verse. In fact, if you ever go to a football game or watch a football game on TV and you see a Bible verse held up in the stands, it will be John 3.16, If you go to In-N-Out or if you go to Forever 21, you might look at some of the packaging like the cups at In-N-Out or the bags at Forever 21, and you will find also references to John 3.16. These are common. These are famous. John 3.16 is the most famous verse in the Bible because in it we have the essence of the Christian message and therefore the essence of Christmas. Here's what Max Lucado says about this verse. He says it is a 24-word parade of hope. Beginning with God, ending with life, and urging us to do the same. Brief enough to write on a napkin or memorize in a moment, yet solid enough to weather 2,000 years of storms and questions. If you know nothing of the Bible, start here. If you know everything in the Bible, return here. So that's what we're going to do tonight is just focus on John 3.16. And John 3.16 tells us five crucial things about Christmas. The first one is the motivation of Christmas. The motivation of Christmas. Why did this all happen? What was behind all this? What was the heart that was going into all this? Do you know uh, what your favorite Christmas present is you've ever gotten? Can you think of that? I was asked that recently, and I just, boom. I mean, it just right away. I've had a lot of different good gifts over the years, but there was a gift I got, I think, three years ago, by far the best gift. I've ever gotten in fact it was a gift that was so unexpected and so meaningful that when I opened it I just burst into tears It was a gift from my wife and uh, she was surprised I think she didn't even expect me to have the reaction that I had to it and it was it was this I'll show you a picture of it she'd made this Colorado plus Ohio equals Arizona see I'm from Colorado and she's from Ohio and yet for the last 16 years we've made our home we've dug in roots we've made a life together here in Arizona. And that hasn't always been easy. That's been hard at different times because especially uh, Molly's close with all of her siblings and they all have kids now. And as the family grows, it's just harder and harder to be away. And what this gift meant, the reason it was, it was so meaningful is not because there's anything necessarily special about that wood or that metal. It was the motive behind the gift. See, the motive that Molly had in giving this it was what she was saying was, I'm with you. We're making this life together. I'm in this with you. That was her motive. That's what she was doing. Well, what's the motive behind Christmas? Look at the the amazing, profound reality of what Christmas is that God would become flesh. Here's what St. Augustine said about this He said, Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast. That the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. That's what happens in Christmas. The question is why? What's the motive behind that gift of Christmas? The motive is found in John 3.16, and there it says this, God so loved Christ the world that he gave his only son. God so loved the world, it was the love of God that motivated God to move in, to move close, right? Just like Molly was saying, I want to be with you, I'm in this life with you, Christmas represents God saying, I want to be with you. In fact, that's what the word Emmanuel that we sing about, that's what it means, God with us, God in the flesh, God incarnate, Jesus, the son of God made And the motive of that, according to John 3.16, is that God so loved the world. This is why we sing in that song, Joy to the World, the wonders of his love, the wonders of his love. Because God so loved the world. That's the motivation of Christmas. Secondly, John 3.16 tells us the gift of Christmas. What was the gift? God so loved the world that he gave his rules. That he gave his ideas. That he gave his edicts. That he gave his philosophies? No. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Do you see that there? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the gift of Christmas. Now this word only is a word that means one and only or sometimes it's called only begotten. And uh, the, the Greek word is this, this word here, monogenes, monogenes, one and only, only begotten. And you can kind of see there in that word, mono, only, genes, is where we get the idea of genes. The only one with the nature of God is God's one and only, God's only begotten son. Now, I don't know if you're like our family, but this is the only time of year where we go to the mailbox every day because... If you don't, otherwise you can't get it all out, right, when you go to finally to get there. And so we had this uh, just neat thing the other day. My, uh, my grandma, my kid's great-grandma from Ohio, she sent all four of my kids a uh, little Christmas card, a little Christmas letter. It wrote an individual thing to each of them, which was very cool. And so I've got three girls and a baby boy. And I'm going to just read to you the way that, that uh, Graham addressed these envelopes. So the first envelope is to Abby Simmons. Second envelope, to Caitlin Simmons. Third envelope, to Mary Simmons. Fourth envelope, to Hank Simmons, the one and only. (laughs) Because he's the one and only son that I have. And so it was very funny. As Abby got this, she was just miffed. I mean, doesn't doesn't she know I'm the one and only firstborn? And right in this whole thing, I said, yeah, but he's the one and only son. And there is this reality that he bears a a resemblance to me. Someone actually told me in kids ministry, they said, he doesn't even name a name tag. We just look at him. We know he's he's your kid. And, And yet, here's the thing. Hank is not my monogenes. Because I have four kids. And they all have my DNA. They all have my genes. They all have my nature. But only Jesus, this is what makes him unique. Only Jesus has the nature of God. And God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave him to live among us. He gave him to teach us. He gave him to show us obedience to the Father. He gave him to suffer. He gave him to be forsaken by friends. And he gave him to die on a cross for our sins. God so loved the world that he gave The gift of Christmas is not an idea, it's not a philosophy, it's not a set of rules, it's a person. The love of God walked among us. In fact, that's what our next series is going to be about. I'd love you to join us starting January 13th. We're going to have this series called Love Walked Among Us. We're going to learn to love by just looking at Jesus. Who was he? Who is he? Well, he's God made flesh, love walking among us. That's the motivation and the gift of Christmas. The third thing John 3.16 tells us is the recipient of Christmas, the recipient of Christmas. Have you ever had this happen on a Christmas morning where you see someone else open a present and as they're opening it, you, you, you start looking at your present and you hope, I hope I have the same thing. And then you realize that you don't because yours is a different shape or whatever. And, and it's like, oh, right? I wanted what they're getting. If you haven't had this, maybe you'll get it two days from now. This is a, you know, maybe you'll have this experience where someone else you go, oh, I wanted what the, oh, I ah. Now, could that happen with this gift? Not according to what it says in the middle of this verse, because look at what it says: for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. Who's the recipient of Christmas? The recipient of Christmas is whoever. Whoever wants it. Whoever will receive it. Whoever will humble themselves, admit their need, admit their sin, and turn in faith to Jesus. Whoever. It's open to anybody. John 3.16 sledgehammers expectations of who we think Jesus came for. We think, oh, well, Jesus is for the people that kind of have their life together. Jesus is for the sort of religious people. Jesus is for the people with a church background. But that's actually not what this verse says, and it's not what Jesus said. Jesus said he came for whoever. Look at what Jesus said specifically in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. He said this, "...those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." Now, get this. According to Jesus, there are no actually righteous people, but there are some people who think they're righteous. There are some people who think they're well. Jesus says, I didn't come for them. I came for the ones who were humble enough to know that they were sick with sin. And as a result of that, they experienced anxiety, and they experienced fear, and they experienced guilt, and they experienced shame, and they experienced this sense that they could just never quite live up to their standards, to their parents' standards, to God's standards. That's who I came for. The question is, are you humble enough to be a whoever, to admit that you have a need, that you need forgiveness, that you need grace, that you need God's love? If you are, then this gift is for you. Here's the fourth thing John 3.16 tells us, is the warning of Christmas. The warning of Christmas. You know, most gifts, if you don't open them, It's no big deal, right? Like maybe you've had this where you like wrapped up a present and you decided you needed to hide it from the kids or the grandkids and you hid it so well that you forgot where it was, right? You ever had this? And then like at some point like later in the year whatever, you're doing some cleaning or whatever and you're like, oh, that's where that is, right? And you know what? They never knew that it, they never knew it was missing, right? Life went on, it was no big deal. They didn't open the present, so what? Not so with the gift Jesus, If you don't open this, there's a warning in John 3.16 that says, hey, it's not just, hey, life goes on. This is a big deal. See, the biggest danger that we have as people who are born bent on doing what we want rather than what God wants, the biggest danger we have is continuing down that path. Because if we continue down that path, that means there's no forgiveness. That means there's no freedom. That means there's no peace. That means there's no reconciliation. That means there's no hope. If we don't open the gift of Jesus Christ, we continue to live for ourselves. And that is a path that Jesus says will lead to, strong word here, perishing. See it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God in Christ desires that you would not perish, that you would not die apart from him. Just an incredible scene in Luke chapter 13 where Jesus is looking out over the city of Jerusalem and listen to what he says there. He says Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Think about the imagery here in this verse. A hen covering Her chicks with her wings now what would be a situation that a hen would cover her chicks if the chicks were in danger right maybe danger of cold or other kind of weather elements maybe danger of a predator of some kind but but a a mother hen would say here come get under my wings and a hen there at that point would even be willing to sacrifice herself to protect her chicks. She'll brave the element. She'll brave the predator. She'll sacrifice herself for her chicks. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want to do that. You're in danger. You're living without me. You're going apart from me. It, w- without somebody intervening, you will perish. That's the warning of Christmas. And Jesus lamented over Jerusalem saying, I wanted to do this, but you weren't willing. Are you willing to have Jesus not just risk himself for you, but give himself for you? To have the wrath of God against your sin fall on Jesus on the cross instead of on you? To have Jesus perish so that you might have life. finally if you are willing here's the offer of christmas the offer of christmas is right there at the end of that verse for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life this word eternal life it's 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 two words talking about a duration and about a quality There's multiple words in the Greek language to describe life. There's the word that's used a lot that's just bios, that is where we get the idea of biology, that just life is existing, life is happening, there's life there. That's not the word that's used here. Here is a different word that talks about a life that only God gives, that's got an intensity, that's got a beauty, that's got a wholeness, that's got a vitality to it. And that's what Jesus is saying he came to give. Eternal life, eternal vitality. Have you received this gift? Well, you can if, according to this verse, you believe in him. Believe is a hard word for us to understand. Because when we hear the word believe, we just automatically just think of our intellect. I believe this, I believe that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe two plus two equals four, I believe that. That's not what his word means. This is a word that means trust. It's a word of dependence. Whoever trusts in him, not just cognitive, it's a heart thing. Do you trust in him? Get this. Jesus did not come just to be admired, Jesus did not come just to be learned from, Jesus came to be trusted. Again, God didn't send an idea, a philosophy, God sent a person. Why would God send a person and then say that the way we would relate to him is on the basis of trust? Here's why. Because trust is the currency, think about this, trust is the currency of every human relationship. The relationships you have that are strong, the people that you can't wait to get together with, you hope you get to see them again soon, the reason you feel that way is because there's a high level of trust with those people. The people that you dread seeing, the people that you can't wait for it to be over, lower level of trust. Here's, here's, what, here's what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, I want a relationship with you. I came as a person, and person to person, not an idea, not a cognitive thing, as a person, I want you to trust me. And if you trust me, if you come under my wings, you shall not perish, but have eternal Life. Now, some of you, I realize, you just think, I don't need this. This isn't really for me. Uh, I, I don't need that stuff. Well, here's the thing. You're living according to something. Maybe it's Popular Opinion 316, which says that God helps those who help themselves. You know, I, you know, I don't need grace. I don't need this grace stuff. I'll just, I'll do my part, and, you know, God might fill in the gaps. Maybe you subscribe to Wishful Thinking 316, It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. The problem with that is you can be sincerely wrong. Maybe it's religious advice 316 be a good person so that God will accept you. That's what a lot of people think the message of Christianity is just be better, just do better, just try harder. That's why a lot of you have resisted this. is because you've got to, I don't, don't, don't want to just get better. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make you better. He came to make you new. And it's not religious advice or wishful thinking or popular opinion 316. It's John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Have you trusted him? Have you received this gift of eternal life? Listen, I believe that there are some of you that God is stirring you, and God is moving you even now. Some of you, you're going, I don't, I, man, I, I didn't expect to be moved like this. What do I do? Well, for sure, start coming back. Get to know this person of Jesus. Some of you even right now are going, I, I realize I've never... I've never trusted in Christ. I've always thought of it in this religious way, but you're talking about a totally different kind of relationship with God. I didn't know it was possible. Listen, if God's moving you tonight, I wanna lead you to put your trust in him. I wanna lead you to pray to him and cry out to him and ask him to be the Lord of your life. I want to invite you to come under the wings of Jesus. So in just a moment, I'm gonna pray, and if you're desiring to become a follower of Christ, just in your own heart, repeat, After me, there's nothing magical about the words I'll say. They're just an expression of faith that's in my heart that I'd love to be in your heart. And if it is, you could cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and you too could have eternal life. Let's pray together. If now you sense God stirring your heart and you desire to have eternal life through Jesus Christ, to begin a relationship with him, to begin to walk with him and treasure him. Pray with me. Father in heaven, have mercy on me, a sinner. You didn't come for the righteous, you came for sinners, and I believe that's me. Thank you for sending Jesus to cover me, to forgive me, to die for my sins on the cross and raise again three days later. God, I want to trust him. I want to begin a relationship with him. I want to begin to know you, God. Please forgive me. Please wash me. Please cleanse me. Please make me new. Please give me this life that is truly life. If you prayed that, I believe that God hears you and God will answer you, and God will respond to you. Father, the rest of us pray as well, God, just with gratitude for your grace to us, for your kindness, for your provision. We want to humbly receive this gift day after day after day. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen.